Lord, we exalt your name today. You're worthy. You're worthy. One day, one day soon, around your throne we'll gather and we'll sing with new hearts and new eyes and new bodies, new everything to you. We will see with more clarity than we've ever seen before your greatness, your might, your majesty, your love, your goodness, the grace, the kindness you've shown to us. Help us. Help us with our feeble minds and in this feeble state that we would embrace you just as much as we can to exalt your name, to honor you for your worthy. Jesus' name. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. You may be seated. Our children, preschool through fourth grade, this is your time. While they're leaving, I invite you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, if you would. Well, welcome to One Church. I want to say a, a big thank you uh, to those who worked to make this happen. The folks on my staff, Susan and Jamie and Becca and Jordan and Lisa. Lisa designed the bulletin cover there. Did you see the neat bulletin cover she designed for us today? Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb squeezing however many chairs in here we squeezed in here. How many did we squeeze? 500 maybe? I don't know. Thanks for working on that. Um, all you volunteers have brought all the great food. Did you see all those snacks? Man, I couldn't eat them all. And uh, our coffee and, and the, the folks helping with parking and all that. Just a, a, big, a big shout out to you. Now, now some of you, and I keep hearing this question, well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we having just one church? What's What's going on there? Something, something going on? Well, it's, um, it's something that's been going on in my heart for a while. And, and um, you know, I think it kind of came out of, you know, I'll run into somebody who always goes to 915, and I'll say, yeah, you know so-and-so, and then they say, huh? And it's like, well, they must go to that other church. And, 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 and some of you are smiling because you said that to me, but you're not the only ones. To, there's a lot of you who have said that to me before. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of another church, but it's not really another church. We're all one church. It says this in Ephesians chapter 4, and this kind of gripped my heart, this passage. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called in, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I thought, is there some way we could try to squeeze everybody in for one Sunday so we would see all those people that go to that other church and, um, you know, celebrate together? Because there's something very, um, very rich about all of us being in the same place at the same time. So, I want you to help me a little bit here. This is an exercise that, that, that we do. If you normally, 
And I know we have a lot of visitors today for the child dedication stuff, so you can just say, stay cool, just keep seated. If you normally attend the 915 service, if you have one of those 915 tags on, would you stand up wherever you are if you normally attend 915? Okay, this is the church at 12th Avenue that meets at 915. In case you were wondering, these are some of the people. Okay, you can be seated. Now, if you normally attend 11 o'clock, would you do the same thing? Would you stand up if you normally meet at the church that meets at... Ah, oh, those people. Those people. Okay, you can be seated. If you don't know which church you normally are going to go to until you get up on Sunday morning, would you stand up? That's pretty cool. Now, I want to do something else, okay, because this is always interesting to me, because you come here, let me say this, if you come here as a newcomer to our church, and you look at other people who were here when you came, you assume that they've been here for 40 years. You figure they've been here forever. They may have been here one week longer than you. So I think it's kind of helpful to realize that our church has, you know, it's changing, and that everybody hasn't been here forever. Everybody doesn't know everybody. So I ask you to think about when you came in, what year you started attending 12th Avenue. So if you, if you can't think of the year, then try to think of approximately the year. Some of you can measure it. Um, I came in 1994, so if you know a pastor before me, you were here before then, okay? Uh, if this is the only place you've ever worshipped in, you came 2000, January 2004 or later, Okay, so just give you some markers. If you've come 2015, 16, or 17, would you stand up? 15, 16, or 17. Okay, now look around. These are, these are folks that just in the last two and a half years have started at 12th Avenue. So, okay, you can be seated. If you came 2010 to 2014, would you stand up? Second wave. Okay, see, so everybody, everybody hasn't been here forever. Everybody hasn't been here forever. You may be seated. If, if this is the only place you've worshipped in, 2004 through 2009, would you stand up for that? Very good. You may be seated. How about, how about 2000 to 2004? Okay, all right, you may be seated, uh, 1994 to 2000, would you stand up, 94 to 2000, not near as many, all right, now, you may be seated, now, the rest of you, okay, if you were attending here when I came in 1994, I don't want to tell you, I don't know how old you are, I'm not going to ask you how old you are, okay, <laughs> but if you were attending here when I came, would you stand up? These are the folks, these are the folks who were here when I came and are, are still here. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. You may be seated. You may be seated. That was kind of fun. <clears throat> I like to do that because, like I said, a lot of times if you've come in the last year or five years or something, you're thinking all these other people have been here a lot longer than me. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they're like you. They've just been here a shorter amount of time. So I wanted to do this because I wanted us to kind of see everybody together and, and connect some on that. 
but I, but I was also thinking about the, uh, I, was, I was thinking about what, what good leaders do. And, and what good leaders do is we are always, we are always kind of nudging their team, their followers, their body of Christ, their partners, their members, whatever you want to call them. We're always kind of, we're always kind of pushing you to take the next step, to do the next thing, to figure out, you know, not to be stuck in the here so we can get to the there. We're always doing that. That's what we do. And, and that's what we're supposed to do, by the way. But every once in a while, it's nice to kind of hit a, a pause button and just stop and reflect and say, because we do, and, we're, and I'll, I'll say this to you as a congregation, you're good about moving forward and pushing on, and I appreciate that. Um, but today is kind of a celebration day, and so I, I thought maybe to help us with that, we'd have some slides that kind of show some things that have just happened since Christmas. 34 households have been served through Laundry Love. Over 200 bags funded for food for students. You remember when we did that a month or two ago? Over $17,000 was raised for Syrian refugees. That was our pre-Easter push, if you remember that. Five followed the Lord in baptism last night, and that was a great service. It, it, I just have to tell you, if you weren't here, you missed it. It, it's a, it, was, a, it was a blessing. And then eight have, I know of eight people that have made commitments to Christ since Christmas. And then there was somebody who took on an endeavor called Handlebars of Hope, and I'm going to ask him to come up now. Matt Brown. Matt and Stephanie Brown have been involved in this. You may have read about them in the Emporia Gazette magazine. And I've asked Matt today to come and share some about that. So, Matt. All right. Hola. Buenos dias. Dios le bendiga. I'm supposed to do it all in Spanish, right? You're gonna, you're gonna tra Al's gonna translate. I'm sorry. I don't think you. I don't think he's prepared for that. But anyway, if you know me and Stephanie, my wife Stephanie, go ahead and stand up. And my daughter Mezzi. There they are. But anyway, uh, if you know us, you probably know our business, the bike shop downtown, High Gear. Um, if you know us, you probably also know our passion for bikes. But more so, we hope Christ. Um, in the last couple years, God has been interweaving our business and our passion for Christ, uh, that mission is Handlebars of Hope. And Handlebars of Hope is simply sharing the love of Christ and giving hope through bikes. That love of Christ and hope has been given through hundreds of donated bikes and countless free repairs locally and in Mexico. Uh, this winter, we were blessed to actually go down to Brownsville, Texas and serve along alongside uh, United in Christ Ministries. Um, and they serve uh, in that area in Matamoros, Mexico. When God put it on our hearts, uh, we didn't know Spanish. We knew muy poquito, which is very little. Uh, you know that know Spanish. Uh, we'd be leaving our family, our friends, and the comfort of our home. Um, we'd be working in a country known for high crime, and uh, we'd be leaving our business, you know, our livelihood for three months. Uh, God said go, and we were at peace with it, and we went. Uh, but don't be surprised if you're going to do something for the Lord that there's going to be some opposition from the devil. Uh, we actually left Christmas Day, and when we left, I don't know if you remember how windy it was. It was really windy. We got to El Dorado. Uh, Stephanie got motion sickness, got a migraine, and was throwing up, so we turned around and came home. 
Uh, luckily, to, you know, fortunately, we made it down to Texas the next day. Um, and the first two weeks were great. We served with the, the mission team, and then we sort of got settled into everything. And then we had unexpected dental surgery with Mezzi. And then a couple days later, she got sick. Then I got sick, and Stephanie got sick. So we were sick for the first month there. And we had no babysitter, no comfort at home, no help from you know parents and, and relatives and stuff like that, no support. Uh, we were ready to leave. We were in tears. And uh, we just, several times, we were like, we should just go home. Maybe we're not supposed to be here. Uh, we prayed. And luckily, through that, God taught us perseverance endurance and to rely on him alone uh, and he got it he got us through it another thing when we went down there I'm a businessman and I wanted to have a plan when we went to Mexico uh, we weren't just gonna go hang out at Mexico for three months so we had all these plans big goals and stuff like that um, with us being sick and some of the mission work that we were doing for the mission down there our goals weren't getting accomplished and so I got frustrated and discouraged and just sort of upset and it took a couple days, but it hit me, and I was like, God just said to go. That's all he told me. You know, the plans I had may have been inspired by God, but they weren't the plans of that moment. Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. When I got that, you know, that frustration and discouragement and all that stuff just sort of washed away, and things were a lot e easier. Uh, so you're probably asking, so what did we do when we were down there? When we were down there, Christ empowered us to help with administrative tasks with uh, United in Christ Missions um, Ministries. Mark and Chacho actually left for Israel for six weeks, so they were like, hey, we want you to do, do some work for us and help us while we're gone for those six weeks. So we did that. We served the poor at the soup kitchen on a weekly ba basis, fed the homeless in downtown Brownsville. We did two group rides with the youth in Matamoros each week, one at Love Homes and one at Eva Samino. Uh, we set up a youth cycling club, which has grown in numbers even such we, since we've left. Um, we've trained youth in bicycle repair and maintenance. And uh, we, of course, did bicycle outreach with the Kansas team when they came down for Christmas and spring break. Uh, at the end of our time there, we had a better understanding of how we could serve the people of Mexico and expanded on the plans that we didn't get done. Uh, I think God had a sense of humor because the last two weeks we were there, the ball started rolling on some of these ideas and plans we had. So I have no doubt that God's sitting back saying, ha ha, you have to come back now. <laughs> uh, so I had so many stories and I had to cut it down. Al didn't give me much time, but one of the stories that... <laughs> There's so many stories, so if you ever want to hear any of them. But one that really struck me, I'm going to have Jason Cathcart come up and tell it because this is sort of what Handlebars of Hope is all about. But I do want to thank, you know, Jason and Angela for all their years of sacrifice of going down to Mexico and having this vision of the mission trips because there's so many of us in here that would never have had that opportunity to go to Mexico without them. So I'm going to have Jason uh, tell the story. So any of you that know me or have been around the mission trips, you know that I'm always asking you to... Uh, you know, get out of your comfort zone, speak. Uh, it's time for you to, you know, share a testimony devotion. Well, Matt's just kind of paying me back right now because I've asked Matt to speak and do different things on mission trips quite often, so I think he thinks it's kind of humorous. He's got that <laughs> smile on his face. Um, but I do have a story. I have a story of hope, as Handlebar Hope is the uh, name of what the bike ministry is. And you see a picture up here on the screen of a lady and her name is Dahlia, 
she lives in the soup kitchen area that uh, United in Christ works with. When we were there at Christmas, I think you might have heard me say that there seemed like a really desperation, a lack of hope when we were there. So God put the theme of hope, esperanza in Spanish, uh, for our spring break trip. And part of uh, how God was bringing us, helping, having us bring hope was through a women's seminar. Now, during that women's seminar, Matt was on an open lot fixing bikes. We had uh, people doing youth ministry so the moms could go to this women's seminar. Well, Dalia uh, got approached by Chacho, a missionary, to come to the women's seminar. She was very hesitant. She she really didn't want to go, but uh, Chacho's pretty persuasive, and he, uh, he kind of talked her into coming. And so she sat through the women's seminar, which had, like, women's lessons, testimonies, crafts. Um, we had a nice meal. We had a women's gift for each one of them, which I want to thank uh, the missions team and you guys, because you played a part in that, of helping pay for that. Uh, so all this working together, the, at the very end, we raffled a bike, which you, you see in the picture there, and Dalia won the bike. She won the raffle, and Chacho did the raffle at the end, and she came forward and was talking to him, and I'm, I probably had some detailed question I wanted to ask Chacho, because that's usually what's going in my mind when things are going on down there, and I could tell, though, that this was a pretty serious conversation. Uh, the lady was... Tears were coming down her eyes, and I could tell Chacho was sharing the gospel. I'm not fluent by any means, but I could pick up enough words to tell that. And then eventually I could tell that they were praying together and that she was accepting uh, Christ at that moment. Um, after that, you know, I kind of get a little bit of the backstory. Uh, he, he states, uh, Chacho tells me that, uh, this lady really needed transportation. She was on foot. She didn't have a car, didn't have a bicycle. And so she was really touched by that. And that led her to come up to, to talk to Chacho more. And probably, I know the lady shared the, the word and the gospel with her and hope. So I think all that working together brought her forward to come and talk to Chacho. And so I just want you to know that, you know, God knew that she needed a bicycle, and God provided a bicycle for her. But more importantly, God knew she needed a Savior, and God brought a Savior to her that day in himself, and her life has now changed. So, and uh, just to give you a little report, she is, she's going, she's attending the church that they have there at the soup kitchen, and growing in her faith now, and God works all that together. I mean, simple thing is giving a bicycle. We do want to give bikes to meet the, you know, the momentary physical need that they have right then. But ultimately, uh, the hope of eternal life is what we want to give them. So I wore my bright yellow shirt to, uh, to show you today to remember that God's hope shines bright. And so I'll turn it over to Matt. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, that I didn't know about that story until we got back, but uh, real quick, I'm sure I'm running out of time and I have a real quick video, but like Jason was talking, our goals with Handlebars of Hope are not humanitarian, although that is a really cool component. 
our ultimate goal is to share Christ with people in hopes that they will seek our Lord and Savior. So, but we just we want to thank Twelfth for having a mission-minded, you know, church vision here. Uh, and we want to thank everybody that supported us, encouraged us, and prayed for us. And I just want to leave you with this Bible verse before the video. In Acts 20:35, Paul says, "We must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus Himself said." It is more blessed to give than receive. And I think they've got the video ready to roll. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, let's give Matt a hand. And uh, he has lots of stories to tell, and you want to know more about the ministry. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be some opportunities there that you might want to be involved in. And so... Um, It's kind of how we, this is kind of how God works. You know, if you look at the Bible, there's, there's a couple things happening in the Bible. One is God continually working. God continually works all through the Bible. The second part is God uses human beings in that work that he does. And, and so what we have here is a story of how God planted a seed in somebody's heart. He just planted a seed, and something happened along the way, and it got watered. And it got fertilized, and it got nudged, and it got encouraged, and it came to this. And I think that's what God does. And that's kind of what we're going to see some of today. We're in Psalm 40. And I chose this passage because I think it, it gives us kind of a, a, a several snapshots of what they're not mad. They're going to help with refreshments or lunch, I should say, for today. So... Um, they could be mad. I don't think they're mad. Anyway, uh, Psalm 40 talks about how God works in our lives if we are in Christ. And so I'm hoping that you can connect with some of this, and I hope it's a real encouragement today. The first thing we see is in verses 1 and 2. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. The first thing he gives us here, and if you want to take notes, there's going to be four things. Number one, we have a new life. He gives us new life. Out of this horrible, slimy pit, the mud and mire of our own natural, selfish, sinful choices, he lifts us up. And we really need that. We really need that. Now, there's some secular thinking that says that all people are good, but that's not true. And even good King David failed and was recorded, was recorded as saying, I was shapened in iniquity. You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking how that we often uh, can see, I say we can see, I mean you can see, a lot of you can see how babies look like their parents. I mean, they, you know, I can't, I'm not very good at that. I just, they, to me they all look like, I'm sorry, babies. Um, and, but, but, but my wife and a lot of you are there, oh they've got their so-and-so's eyes or their nose or whatever. Um, and perhaps you've noticed this. We have some pictures of that. There's Brandy and, and daughter Eden, and you can see there they look alike. And what else do we have? Eric Law and his son Maddox. Yeah, you can see that one. Ashley James, her daughter Lauren. Becca Knight and Reed and Ava. And then we got a, a threefer here, uh, Jonathan in the middle. Jonathan's kind of on the middle right. And then you have Andrew, and then you have his mom. And they look like them. But I want to just say, I just want to say to all of you, you all, you all look like your moms and dads. You look like your father, Abraham. 
no, excuse me, Father Adam, let's go back a little farther, Father Adam and Mother Eve. Because we're just like David. We were shaped in iniquity. It says this in the Bible in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. So just as surely as you got somebody's hairline or nose or eyes or shape of your face, you got a sin nature from Adam and Eve. It's where every person here lives. But this is the good news from Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms. So, and the picture we have here is he's pulled us out of this mud and mire, and he set us on a rock. He gave us a firm place to stand, to know who you are to know you who you are, this new life that you have in Jesus Christ. The second, if you're in Christ today, we have a new song. Verse 3, he says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in God. So you have a song to sing. You have a song to sing, and you may not be a good singer, but you can sing these songs. And there's many verses to the song. I mean, there's some right here in, in the Psalms. Uh, give thanks to the Lord, praise His name, remember His faithfulness, forget not all His benefits. He heals all our diseases and He redeems us from despair. And He does this, He gives us this new song and sometimes it's in a dark hour. If you think about over in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas were, were singing at midnight. Do you remember that? They were in, where were they? They were in prison singing to God. Job went through hard times, and he said, God gives us songs in the night, Job 35.10. It's a crucial part of our faith to realize that we have a new song to sing. And it's a good song to remember the past, but it's also to live in the present and anticipate the future and the new. I've talked with some of you about leadership. I was talking about leadership at the beginning, and that's a big deal because leadership is really important. And one of the things about leadership is setting goals, and setting goals is real hard because, because whether it's a church or an organization or a family, you're always moving. You're, you're, kind of, you're kind of setting goals while you're still moving, and things are changing, and things are going to be different two months from now and four months from now and a year from now. But let me just tell you, if God is in it, if God is in it, he is going to continue to show up. Now, how is he going to show up? I don't know. I don't know. But he is. Don't you want to be people who live in the new? Who live in the now and the new of what God is doing? God forbid. You know, we've talked some about how long people have been here, whatever. But we don't want to live back in the past. We don't want to succumb to that falling back in nostalgia in the good old days. And this is the way it was. And I remember, it wasn't so good back then. You've just forgotten all the bad stuff. Do you know that? That's true. You know, I'm, I'm just telling you, it was, when you were living, you know what? You're going to look back at today and think, those were the good old days. You're going to look back at today and say, oh, those were the good old days. 
No, God wants you to live in the new. So we have a new life. We have a new song. We have a new story. We have a new story. And um, drop down to verse 9 and 10. David says here, I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Now, now I want to say this. Now, here's David, and he says he, he, he lifted me out of this miry pit, and he set me on a rock, and he, he gave me a, a, a new song to sing. But David also has a story to tell. Do you, do you see all, those, all the things he's talking about here? I didn't hide your righteousness. He was, he was vocal. And I want to tell you, you not only have a new life and a new song, but you have a new story if you're in Christ. Because God is working in your life and he's changing you. And you need to tell your story. We need to be like David. We don't need to hide his righteousness. We need to speak of God's faithfulness. We need to speak of his salvation. We don't need to conceal his love and truth. We need to, to reveal it to other people. We all have a story to tell. If you're in Christ, you have a story to tell. Are you telling your story? Now, now you tell your story with your mouth, but you also tell your story by the way you live. So, I, what, do you have any non-Christian friends? I hope you do. You say, well, no, I just hang out with Christians. Well, we need to hang out with some non-Christians so we can share the good news. We can expand the, the circle. Have you told them about the difference that Jesus has made in your life? And maybe a harder question, if you told them about the difference that Jesus made in your life, would they look at you and like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're no different than me. Paul said, I have become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. And this becoming all things to all men, I think, is being adaptable and flexible and, and relevant and fitting in, and it's, but it's also living and modeling in a way that honors God. I don't want to stand before God one day and answer for not telling the stories, the stories of His grace, the story of His forgiveness, the story of His love, the story of His kindness to other people. You know, we have a new story to tell, and we, we need to, we need to, I think we need to, I think we need to take time to reflect. I, ha, I took a study break last week, and, and I had a little time where I was studying, but I was away from the day-to-day -day of the church and, and the phone calls and the problems and things that just normally come up. And, and um, I had a time, I had time to, to think some and reflect. And, and, and I was thinking about what it says in, in our text here in verse 5. It says, Many, O oh Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. And, and, I, and I, thought about, I thought about some of you. And I, and I thought about your stories of how you maybe came to faith or maybe you were in the Lord, but you... You started engaging, and you changed, and you grew. And, and God has been working, and, and 
I don't know that you can see it, but I know for a lot of you, you're not the same people you were two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago. I can see it. That's God, and that's what God intends to do. Those are the wonders He plans to work in our lives, you know. It's interesting when we, we think about there aren't that many people who are still here that were here when I came. One, because I've been here a long time. But one is, the second thing is just that there, there's a, a lot of people come through Emporia. A lot of people move through Emporia. We're, uh, I didn't realize that early on, but a lot of people move around. And I want to tell you, a lot of people have sat in these seats where you sit, and now they're, they're sitting in a church in North Carolina or in Minnesota or in Wyoming or in Colorado or Oklahoma or Texas or somewhere else. And that's fine, because we believe in the kingdom of God. God's building a kingdom. We're not building a church, we're building a kingdom. And God uses our church as a part of that process, and those people move along. But let me just encourage you who are newer in our church, we need you because we've had people that have left, because God moves his people around. That's what he does. And so you say, well, the church is doing fine before I got there. Well, I don't know. We keep changing because we lose some of those people that teach those fifth grade boys i remember being so aggravated with the lord he took one of my fifth grade boys sunday school teachers in 1999 i think it was i I was just like lord do you know how far hard it is to find a a teacher for fifth grade boys that same year i lost a deacon i lost a, a pianist i mean we lost a bunch of people the spring of the year i still remember that this is, this, is when God, this is one of my epiphanies, one of my defining moments for me. God moved 10 families out in the spring, and there were people who were doing things in the church. They weren't just coming on Sunday morning and breathing my air, you know? <laughs> just saying. It's one of those times that it was like the Lord said, you know, those are my people. They're not your people. And I said, yes, sir. Got it. I move them wherever I want to move them. And don't worry, I'll take care of you. And you know what? Lord brought 10 families back into our church that fall. That's the way God works. That's what God does. Um, but, but I hope you can remember, I hope you can remember the things, the, the movement in your own life, how, how God, how you can see, you can see the things that have happened and that movement, because that's God. That's God. And, and I want to say this, and I'm going to say more about this in a minute, but that movement is not always joyful. Some of the movement that God has in our lives is painful. And there's times that we think in our heart of hearts, God, do you know what you're doing? Now, we'd never say it aloud. We'd never say that to another person. That wouldn't be very spiritual, would it? But we think in our hearts, we're like, you know, why? I didn't, I didn't, God, I didn't need this. You know, don't we do this? We say, oh, this was a terrible time for my car to break down. Would you tell me when a good time is for your car to break down? I'll plan it that way so you can, you know what I mean? When's a good time for God to bring something in your life and stretch you? I just want to tell you, He, he really does know what He's doing. And, 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 and I love what 
what David says in verse 8. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And I just want to tell you, God knows what he's doing, and, and you can't let that, you can't let your misunderstanding or misinterpretation of your life events keep you from staying on task to do the will of God. Because, you see, there's, the Bible's full of hope. He, he, just, just one little story. Do you remember the story of, of Esau and Jacob? You know, Jacob was, uh, got the birthright from his brother. He kind of caught him in a weak moment. He, got, he stole the birthright, and then he went to his father, and he lied. You remember that? He lied. His, his dad was blind, and he put the animal hides on his arm. Well, he felt his arm. He says, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau, you know. And he stole the birthright. Well, the rest of the, and his name, Jacob, means schemer or trickster. That was his name. But listen, that's not the end of the story. God worked in Jacob's life. And later in, in Genesis 32, 33, somewhere along there, I can't remember, he reconciles with his brother. They embrace. And God changes his name to Israel. Did you notice that? there's a country named after this man? The 12 tribes were his sons. Significance. Jacob used to be the trickster, the schemer, and his name got changed to Israel. You know what Israel means? A prince with God. A prince with God. Wow. So God's in the business of changing people. Psalm 40 talks about the new life we have, the new song we have, the new story we have. The last thing is, the fourth thing I see here is we have a new security in the midst of difficulties. Notice verses 11 and 12. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Now, wait a minute. Didn't we just hear David? He's saying, I, you know, I got this new life. He took me out of the miry clay. He set me on a rock. I, ha I have this new song to sing. I have a new story to tell. Now, wait a minute. He's talking here about troubles without number. Sins that are overwhelming, that are overwhelming to him. And he goes on to talk about his enemies, and I'm not going to get into that, but there's a progress to the Bible, and in the New Testament we're going to say, bless your enemies, whereas here he's saying, don't let them succeed or whatever. And some of you may have taken Psalm 3-7 as your life verse about your enemies. You can look it up on your own leisure. Uh, I'm not going to go there right now. But I want to point, I want to point out from, from just this, that we have security in the midst of difficulties. Verse 17 what does verse 17 say? Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. So he starts out singing this song and this new life and this new song and this new story. And he has security in God. But he's also realistic in that 
he has all these difficulties in his life as well. So how do you connect that? Listen to me, believer in Christ. You, you need to figure this out. You need to figure this out, how to have a song and how to have a story and have your life and have your security in Christ. But recognize this. It's always going to be in the midst of difficulties. It, 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 it's, it's the way it works. I would, I would contend that this is the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is security in God in the midst of difficulties. That deep in our heart of hearts, there's a rock that we stand upon. We have, we're just like the psalmist here. We have this, this bottom line strength, knowing that God has placed us on a rock and we're going to stand. But hear me. There's always going to be waves of difficulty that come at us. Because you see, our God is a good God. Our God's a good God, and He supplies us with everything we need. And part of that need, hear me, is enough difficulty and stress and challenges that keep us on our knees and in dependence upon Him. Because as I look at the scriptures, there seems to be only one kind of person God uses. Only one kind of person God uses. Broken, humble, yielded people. That's the only thing that's any good to God. And if it was all hugs and kisses, and sunshine and mountaintops, I want to tell you what we would do we'd do it on our own and we'd leave God out and that's my heart and I, I'm guessing that might be your heart too that we belong to a good God a good God and part of a good God is he keeps us on a short leash and so I think I think and, 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 and let me say this and I think and I think, you know, when I started out in ministry, I don't know that I would preach this. Because I was always thinking there was going to, you're going to get to this place, you're going to get past this time of difficulty and challenge, and it's going to be all smooth sailing. Now, that, you know, that's ignorant. I mean, really, that's lack, lacking of knowledge, lack of true knowledge of the scriptures and the way God works. That's not the way God works. We've got to stay humble and broken and surrendered because the same sun, the same sun that melts wax, bakes clay into bricks. And what kind of heart do you have? What kind of heart do you have? You know, this is the good news. We, we sang about this. We sang, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. And that goes back to the you know, the miracle God did in the Old Testament, splitting the Red Sea where the Israelites walked across on dry land. God still does that for us today. And he brings us through these things, and we can sing, as we sang earlier, it is well with my soul. Even in the midst, even in the trials, even in the difficulty, because God is there. 
and he is a rock for us. So we kind of hit the pause button today and we, we, don't, we don't push on, but we remember and we reflect and we celebrate and we believe that God has done good things and God's going to do good things and God's going to be with us and he's going to be with us on the sunny days and he's going to be with us huh, on the rainy days. And when you think the sun will never shine in your life again, it will. It will. Because God is faithful. So, praise God. Praise God for all He's done for us. And praise God for what He's going to do and how He's going to bring us through these things to shape us and to use us to bring glory to Him, to bring honor to Him with our lives. Because it's really not about my happiness or your happiness. It's about honoring Him at the end of the day. Let's pray together. Father, I, I just pray that today as we process that we would see all the good things you've done for us and also in the difficulties that we would remember that you were there for us and you're faithful to us, and you will be there for us and faithful to us. And Lord, I know there are probably some folks that still need to take some steps toward you, and that was not the focus today, but I pray that even in this, that they would receive a challenge, uh, a challenge from you um, to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand, we have one more song. <laughs>